Naked Under Our Clothes, Episode 6. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I am your host, Roxanne, and this podcast is talking about vulnerability and the ways that we can build community around vulnerability. I am excited about this episode for two reasons. One, this topic, as many have, holds a deep, profound chord in my heart and tugs at that bitch like no other. Okay. (laughs) And I know you've heard me say that these topics hit me hard. um, And I'm really excited to talk about them every single time I get to get on um, this, this podcast and talk. But the other reason why I'm really excited about this episode is because I'm actually going to implement some of the email responses that I've received about a previous episode, because I do think that it offers a beautiful transition into what I want to talk about today. Um, And so I'm really excited to finally get around to implementing the uh, email responses that I've received. So I hope you guys are as excited as I am, and we're going to get into it. Um, Before I get into it, I just want to say how much I appreciate so many of you, all of you, Um, especially those of you who have taken the time out of your busy schedules to stop me and say something to me directly about this podcast and what you appreciate about it and what you're hoping for from it. Um, Those of you who have texted me, those of you who have responded to the, the questions that I pose at the end of each episode, I so appreciate you. And I am excited that this podcast is really doing what I was hoping that it would, which is to start creating the sense of community, the sense of togetherness um, in some of these experiences that we don't necessarily always talk about or talk about so directly. Um, So thank you. Um, Okay, so episode six. Now, I want to share two snippets from two separate emails. And before I do that, I just want to say that there's a method behind the madness, right? So there's a method behind how I choose what I'm going to share. And one of the things that I really want people to know about how I choose it is I really want to to um, share things that are generalizable, right? So things that can be generalized to a greater uh, group of people. Not to say that what I've read is always very specific. And I'm not trying to get anybody fired. I'm not trying to have anybody get a divorce. And I certainly don't want you to lose any friends. Okay, so because we those are hard to come by. Good ones are hard to come by. So um, I really like to pick specific. I don't I'm not going to read the entire email. Number one. Number two, I like to pick things that can be somewhat generalizable um, so as to not uh, put anybody on blast, because that is not what I'm trying to do on this on this podcast. I like to keep it general. So if you've shared something, if you've written something specifically um, in response to an episode and you don't hear it uh, reflected during an episode, that's not to say that what you had to say didn't matter. It's so that I I want to be protective of the people who listen to my podcast. I don't want people 
to be thrown under the bus and I don't want people to feel like they're placed under a microscope and I don't want people to feel like they are somehow jeopardizing a part of themselves when they share with me. So just know that I try and keep it pretty general. Um, also know that given the amount of the volume of emails that I receive, um, I will try and keep it to one to three uh, emails or um, passages that I'm going to share just to keep it, um, you know, just to be sensitive of time. Um, so I just wanted to say that. Um, yeah. Okay. So the emails that I'm pulling from are, are in direct response to episode two. It was an episode talking about forced vulnerability and this idea that sometimes we, we share information with people, but we never really, we don't ask them to provide us with their feedback. However, a lot of people take it as an invitation to provide their feedback. And that can be hard for a lot of people like me, who sometimes just wants to sit down with a friend or a colleague or uh, someone that I care about and I know cares about me and just share something and share it and not have all this extra bullshit attached to my sharing. Um, and so that was really kind of the crux of episode two. And if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to it, I highly suggest you do because um, it's good. It's a good episode. And a lot of people really appreciated the information. And I think maybe you can appreciate it too. I don't know. If you don't want to, that's fine. But I think you should. <laughs> Who am I to tell you what to tell? Anyway. Um, so I did want to read two specific um, emails and I'll do that now. And I apologize in advance. I've maybe had a glass or two of wine at this point, And so I might be speaking really fast and I might stumble and I might make a lot of mistakes and that's okay. Um, so here we go. Here's the first passage. When someone shares like this with me. I try to recognize what they need out of it. Usually just empathy. And maybe to relate with someone. If I can relate, I might share a common experience I've had, but keeping the focus on my experience. If I can't relate, I try to keep my mouth shut because no one wants that shit. Regardless, I know that most people are not asking for my advice. Otherwise, I would hear them clue me into that. And I guess... That's something I've learned over the time in the field. And then you think the field being mental health. Um, but I think it comes more naturally to some than to others. Hmm. So that's the first passage, right? This passage is talking about when, when this particular person hears someone talking or hears someone or is experienced or, or sharing a space with someone where they're sharing an experience with them, they try to see the ways that they can participate or not in the conversation. And they might think about the ways that they might be able to relate and they, they do. They'll take it upon themselves to do that. Um, and, but they keep that information really close to their own experience, not to make too many um, assumptions about how their experience might apply to another's. Um, but then also that um, if, it, if they can't relate to it, they just 
don't say anything. They just keep their mouths closed and they keep their opinions to themselves. Um, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate both because I, I see the ways that I've, I've done that, right? That I've, you know, tried to align with a person as a result of, you know, maybe this is an experience that I can speak to, maybe I can um, share, or maybe it's invalidating, it, maybe it's validating to me to, to participate and share with you my own experience. Is that always okay? I don't know. That's a different conversation. Um, but then there's times where I don't really, I can't really relate and so I know that I'm a sounding board and I, I just listen and that's okay too. Um, so I really appreciate this particular passage because it, it highlights the, the ways that we can participate in those conversations that it's not always um, a stead, you know, quick, this is the choice that I have to make um, for this person. It's not always clear cut, right? Um, I also think about within this, this particular passage, ways that maybe we do have something to share about our own experience, or maybe we want to share our own experience. But again, maybe that's not what um, a person wants. Um, and how do we how do we pick up on the signal of whether or not that person wants it? You know, there's nonverbal communication, and some people can express themselves nonverbally and say, hey, I want your feedback. Um, and then there's also times where, um, even though we have something to say, we just have to keep our mouths shut regardless of whether or not it's important or relevant. Um, so I just found that interesting and I'm curious how many people can relate to finding themselves in a situation where either they can relate and they want to share, or they're compelled to share, or they can relate and they don't know whether or not it's okay to share, or they can't relate and so they just keep their mouth fucking closed, or they can't relate but they try desperately to do so. Mm. Curious about that last one. Because I know I've been in a situation, many situations, plenty of situations where I couldn't relate, but for some reason I was compelled to try to relate. And sometimes I find myself using my own situations as a method um, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense in the context of what is being shared, I try and manipulate my own situation or um, mold my own situation to fit what is being shared. And I wonder if that's because of my own discomfort. Is it because of your own discomfort that you do that? Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Curious, batch. I'm curious about that one. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to the next passage. You've helped me face a painful reality that I often do force my opinion on others. Despite having the best of intentions, while fully knowing that good intentions are often quite harmful and certainly not enough. I've done this from a position of privilege and I feel shame and guilt at my blindness to this privilege, particularly when I've dedicated so much of myself towards examining, acknowledging, and unpacking my own privilege as a white individual in our world. Mm. So this passage 
talks about this coming to that this person experiences where they force their opinion on another person, many other people. And I actually find that this is really true for those of us who work in the, the, the helping field, right? Like a mental health field or a social services field, human services field, whatever. That there's this, 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 this idea or this perception that as professionals, um, we need to have the answers. And so before we even ask the question of, do you want my opinion? Do you want my feedback? We find ourselves in situations where our, we are already offering that. It's tricky, right? It's tricky because there is this, this, this societal message that that's okay. But then there's so many people who are damaged by this reality, this experience. In that, they, all they want to do is share it. And they can come to a conclusion on their own if they're allowed a safe space to explore it. But sometimes we rob them of that safe space. Because society tells us it's okay to do so. Think about that. Think about the ways in which you might quote unquote rob people of the safe space for them to do their own self-reflection, for them to do their own exploration because you feel inclined based off of the privilege you hold, the power you hold to share what you're thinking, to share your opinion. Hmm. Privileged information. I guess these these passages don't do as good of a job transitioning me into talking about what I really do want to talk about. But I'm going to try to transition. And I'm doing this, as you can see, very openly. Um, I'm processing this in a very open fashion, um, which is okay, I hope, for many of you. But I think a little bit about privileged information, this idea that sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we're sharing an experience, sharing a change that's happening with a person that we care about. We're sharing a concern or something troubling with a person and we don't want their opinion, right? And let's assume that they don't give us their opinion. But now this information that you've shared with this other person is no longer fully yours. Hmm. No longer fully yours. What do I mean by that? Well, think about a secret that you have, that you hold. Is it a secret if you share it with someone else? Does it have the potential to turn into something greater than a secret, bigger than a secret, more dangerous than a secret? Okay, so you find a friend or a person that you trust and you share this information with them. It's no longer only yours. They have a part of that. Do you trust them enough to hold on to that information? The tattletale. 
episode six. So in a general sense, we know this idea of privileged information. We know that people share things with us and we get to hold on to it. And we now have this power that maybe we didn't ask for to either hold on to this privileged information or use it to either our advantage or someone's disadvantage. What do we do with privileged information? I've seen a couple of things happen. I'm curious. I, I, you know, of course I know that there's a lot of people who are capable of holding a secret, right? Capable of keeping some shit locked down. And then there are some of us who maybe have too big of a fucking mouth and you maybe shouldn't have shared it with that person because damn, you know that that is going to find its way through your friend group. Maybe you underestimated or overestimated, actually, your relationship with a person and they do a real fucked up thing, which is hold on to that information only to exploit it when they see an opportunity. Have you ever had a friend or a person you've known where you've shared information that maybe you thought twice about whether I should share it, but you did anyway. And then later on, it came back to bite your asshole. It just chomped on that shit. Undermining people that we either care about or don't care about for our own gain. Holding on to this information and then throwing it back in someone's face when the opportunity strikes. Have you seen yourself in that situation? Have you been a person who has held on to information and then when you've had an opportunity, you've thrown it back in someone's face? Hmm. In the context of episode two, Force Vulnerability, think about it. Maybe you're on the receiving end of information that you didn't ask to hear. Maybe you're bitter about hearing information you didn't want to hear. Maybe your friend or your coworker or your boyfriend or your wife or your partner shared information you didn't want to know about. And there's a bitterness inside you you never even recognized. Maybe you slip up and one day you're having a conversation with a larger group of people and it just comes out. That's the challenge of knowing information. Period. Is it always, there's always an opportunity for that information to come up again. Whether intentionally or in an, uh, unintentionally, there is the opportunity for that information to come up again. And it's even more damaging, just in general, in my opinion, when it's information about someone else's vulnerability. Something that someone confided in you about or whatever. 
Someone confided in you and shared information and you slipped up or one day you were real pissed at that person and you found yourself sharing information about that person. Crucial, critical, personal information about that person. Exploitation. I'm curious about the ways that we have held on to information only for so long. And I'm more specifically curious about those of us who have, and maybe regret to this day, times where we've used privileged information as a means to exploit another person. The other way I see this showing up is holding privileged information as ransom. Ooh, say it again. Holding that information as ransom. I had a situation with a friend where, you know, I was talking to them about something that was going on in my life at the time. And, you know, at the time, I thought that this was a really good friend and I really valued it. And it's not to say that they aren't a good friend. I'm sure they're, they're a good friend to some people now. And I don't know what was going on for them at the time. I think it goes hand in hand with this idea of exploitation, right? So I shared this information with a friend. It was really personal. It was really deep. I was talking a little bit about my, my past. And, you know, when I was younger, I had trouble with, you know, um, being honest in uh, situations. Uh, I've stolen things. I've lied to people. Um, I've been, I've, I've had my own fair share of tr- trials and tribulations. And it's, it's transformed me into, I think, a pretty okay person now but I'm not saying that I didn't come from some shit okay so there was a particular situation where I was telling a friend about something that I had stolen from a let's just say a store I'm not going to get too specific and I shared it with this person then they were like oh yeah no 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 don't worry because I had mentioned you know I please don't share this with anybody please I'm so afraid like you're the only person I've talked to about this and you know I don't want to get in trouble with my parents I don't want to get in trouble with this place or this person you know so please don't share this information with anybody and this person said oh yeah no 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 that's okay until it wasn't okay so I maybe uh did a thing with this person or I made a mistake in our, our, our friendship and hurt this person to a degree. I don't know how bad, but they identified it being pretty bad, okay? And I was pretty remorseful for hurting this person in this way because it wasn't my intention, but the impact was that I hurt this person pretty deeply. And I had apologized and I said my sorries and, you know, wanted to ask if we were good and, you know. And this person, definitely I feel like now as I reflect on it, in hindsight, I think this person had a vendetta against me. I'm just going to call it, right? But this person, in the context of the situation where I hurt them, said, well, do you remember that time that you told me about you stealing that thing? It would be a shame if that came out. It would be a shame if the place knew or the person knew. It would be a shame if your parents found out, wouldn't it be? Don't ever hurt me that way again. Hmm. 
And I felt this real deep, profound pain because I was vulnerable, right? And, and they, didn't, they, they, they maybe provided me feedback in the moment saying, hey, Roxanne, stealing is wrong and no, 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 don't do that, right? And I could hear it in the moment, but I shared this thing with this person because I thought that they cared and I thought that I could only to find out that I shouldn't have. Because here I am sitting across from them and them telling me, if you hurt me again, the truth will come out. And I was really, really, really um, uh, conflicted. Conflicted because I felt like this person that I was supposed to be able to trust with information pretty shitty information about me at the, at the time, Situ information that reflected poorly on me. I thought I could trust them. And here I'm realizing I couldn't, and I couldn't take it back. I shared a piece of myself with a person I couldn't take back. They, they now could claim a piece of it. And I felt not only bad about it, but I felt trapped in that I, as a per, if, any, if you know me well enough, I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to let you get the best of me. You know what? I'm going to tell on myself. I'm going to tell on myself so you can't. But I wasn't ready to tell on myself. I found myself forced in a situation where I trusted a person who was gonna use information about me, vulnerable information about me, against me. And I had to make a choice whether I was gonna allow this person to betray me in such a dark way, or whether I was gonna own up to shit that I wasn't ready to own up to. Again, forced into a situation some might argue, I asked for. I would argue, I didn't. But do we, do we ask unknowingly to be placed in situations where people have the power to make choices regardless of how it will impact us? when we share information with them, deep information, information that no one really knows about, do we begrudgingly say indirectly, un unknowingly, yeah, now you have this information and you could do with it what you want. What does that make you think about? Because it makes me fucking paranoid. It makes me feel like I can't trust anybody with information, that I have to be the, the, the container of all that information. That feels burdensome. That feels like a lot. And maybe it means I need to reflect more deeply on the relationships that I hold. But even so, Sometimes I find myself in a situation I didn't ask for 
with a, with a person I trust so deeply. Maybe it's a learning experience for both of us. I don't know. But even as I'm talking, I'm reflecting and I'm saying to myself, if we have people who trust us, we then are holders of privileged information. Almost always. There will be one person who will share something deep with us, meaningful with us. And now we have this, this privileged information. What do we do with it? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where it just comes out and fuck, I didn't mean it to come out. Sometimes we are pissed at that person and we're like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get them. Sometimes we hold it, that information as ransom and we say, I'll keep your secret if you give me this thing or you don't do this thing. And a lot of the time I feel like it's unintended. Like it just happens. But it doesn't always. So the reflection question that I want to leave you guys with is what information do you hold about another person? Think about it. I'm sure you have a lot. Why do you hold on to it? Why haven't you shared that information? Why have you? What is the intention behind your decision to either share information about another person, privileged information, uh, information uh, that, that speaks to their vulnerability? Why do you hold on to it? Why didn't you hold on to it? Be honest. Not with me but with yourself. So this is a lengthy episode. I'm going to end it here. Again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you want to provide feedback, please feel free to do so at podcast at gmail.com. Again, and like naked, UOC podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time.